So welcome to season two of On Site. Today I'm really excited because I have an awesome guest, someone who I look at as a peer, someone who's an entrepreneur, someone who's an expert, uh, someone who I have a deep respect for, have actually had similar parallel paths in our career trajectory, uh, and someone who is the quintessential expert in his respective market. And what better market? Uh, we're going to be talking about luxury. What better market than uh, Los Angeles to talk about luxury? So my guest today is Mauricio Umansky. Um, I've known Mauricio for a long time, more than 10 years, um, kind of followed his career. He was really, I would say, one of the first, if not the first kind of celebrity broker uh, but celebrity broker, you know, for the for the right reasons, because of the deals he kind of put together. He became known as kind of the guy who handled most of the transactions that were in the upper echelon of luxury. Um, he is constantly and consistently one of the top brokers in the United States. The Wall Street Journal, uh, Real Trends, he's, he's always on that annual list, is one of the top one, two or three brokers in the United States. He's got the distinction of selling the most homes in the country above $20 million. Uh, he's represented some of the biggest properties and the biggest clients, including the Playboy Mansion. He did the first house in L.A. to sell above $100 million. Uh, he's represented Walt Disney Estate, Michael Jackson, Mike, uh, Michael Jordan, Prince, etc., etc. The list is so long. Started his career at um, a, a boutique agency, Hilton and Highland, uh, and then went on, took the leap, and started a company with Billy Rose called The Agency, an incredible agency on the West Coast, and now it has expanded. But I'm going to talk to Mauricio uh, today about Los Angeles, the luxury market, and very excited to have you on, Mauricio. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. I know you're really busy, um, but I'm really looking forward to having this this conversation with you about the luxury market. Hey, Sean, thank you so much, and what an introduction. I'm not sure I can live up to that introduction. Uh, <laughs> uh, you you can and you have and you you've got the track record that kind of speaks for itself. So, let, but it's let's an absolute pleasure to speak with you and to be on the phone with you. I mean, you're an amazing colleague and peer, as you say. And um, yeah, looking forward to hopefully providing some great insight to your uh, listeners. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd say L.A. When I think of L.A., it's you know, it's Hollywood. It's all of those. It's like Beverly Hills. It's uh, it's where I think a lot of the most expensive real estate in the world is. And like you're at the epicenter of it. What's going on now? What's happening in your market? What's the status of the luxury market in in Los Angeles right now? Well, it's very interesting. I mean, it's definitely a pretty strong market. I would say. Uh, particularly this year, you know, during COVID times. However, it's changed and it's become very different than it was in years past. You know, one of the things that uh, has always fueled the luxury market in Los Angeles has always been the international buyer. Uh, yeah, the Russians, the uh, Saudis, the Middle East, Chinese, uh, China for, for, you know, the most recent times. And, and obviously because of what's happening in the world today, the ban on travel, uh, et cetera, et cetera, we really have lost uh, completely the international buyers. So we're really relying on local buyers. And then we're seeing a lot of buyers come from San Francisco, Chicago. Uh, yeah, we are seeing some influx from New York. By the same token, 
we're seeing an outflow and we're seeing an outflow because of the fear of taxes in California. We're seeing an outflow of uh, luxury buyers going to uh, Florida and Texas yeah, primarily. Um, Interesting. I think that, yeah, there, there yeah. seems to be a lot of similarities in our markets um, and people coming in and, and leaving for the same reasons. But it seems like you guys have had a, like, if, if you look back at 2020, I mean, 2020 for New York City was terrible and San Francisco terrible. But um, how are sales like in Beverly Hills and some of the more you know, higher end areas? So it was an extraordinary year. You know, we had uh, uh, probably topped with, you know, Jeff Bezos buying a $150 million home and Murdoch buying a $150 million home, you know, plus or minus. We had multiple $100 million sales. Interestingly enough, though, the cap between the $100 million sales and then dropping into the 30s and 20s, there was not many sales in that uh, 40, 50, 60 million dollar range. So mm -hmm. you were either at the ultra uber duper, you know, high end or we were just in the regular luxury. Um, and I always have said that the um, that cap between, you know, 30 to 50, 60, generally speaking, it is uh, absorbed by a lot of the international buyers that are, you know, the, the billionaires that are buying pied -a uh, locally, we saw a lot of changes in people's uh, behavior from the perspective of wanting to buy more land. Again, COVID kind of changed the ideas of what people wanted in a home. And so we started to see a lot of changes. And um, our market was very vibrant in that 20 to 15 to, to $30 million range was a very strong market in Los Angeles. Um, and then again, very strong north of $100 million bucks. All right. So... What does Jeff Bezos buy? What do you get for a hundred million dollars? And and like, what do these guys expect to get for their money? I, I mean, I can't even imagine what a hundred million dollars buys you. Maybe you can explain that to us. Well, first of all, I think that you know he bought uh, David Geffen's house, and I think that that is uh, probably one of the uh, the best sites in Los Angeles. Not only from the so you're buying land to start, and then you're buying a beautiful house. Uh, funny enough, one of the things that we did see in terms of a trend of buyers is that uh, they weren't necessarily looking for what some developers perceived was going to be the next buy. They weren't necessarily looking for 40, 50, 60, 70,000 square feet. They were looking for a modest home. And what I mean by modest, you know, 18, 15, 25,000 square feet, you know, <laughs> modest for the sake of a uh, $100 million estate. But what they were looking for was land and space and a place to enjoy life, sequester, all within the confines of your home, right? So like, so, like what are some of those things? Like how many acres are you getting? Is it like so the kind of place you can- So we're talking about 10 like, acres in the heart of Beverly Hills, in the heart. So to right. me, it's probably the best home and property in, in all of Los Angeles. So how many of those exist? There's probably about a dozen at most that we could put into that category. Hmm. And then, okay, so from there, you, you're kind of getting, you know, your compound, essentially, right in the heart of, like, some of the best location and real estate uh, in the world. And then there's a drop, you said, from, like, the $100 million to the, <laughs> like, $20, 30000000 million price point. What do you get for $25, 30000000 million? Yeah, so, you know, what people have been looking for is kind of more, and that world is more of the new construction. 
Uh, and what has been purchased was, you know, a lot of these new homes, new construction homes that uh, have big views. In California, Los Angeles, really all about the indoor-outdoor flow. You know, big open spaces, big open doors, rooms that, you know, have doors that completely, you know, disappear into the walls. And you've got the full indoor-outdoor floor with tremendous, beautiful views, a beautiful pool, a beautiful lifestyle. And again, a little bit more of that uh, modern the, what we're calling now is the warm modern, you know, warm tones, warm colors, lots of wood and timber, uh, organic materials, whether it be, you know, softer stones instead of harder stones, certainly not polished. And that's kind of what people are really looking for. The other on the uh, modern side, on the um, more traditional side, the trend this year in Los Angeles was this modern farmhouse, as you will. And that's kind of the transitional, modern, taking a barn or farmhouse or something extremely traditional and really modernizing it and modernizing the doors, the windows, the interiors, the warmth, but yet still having kind of that exterior feeling that come, you know makes it look kind of an old world style home. And so that's kind of been the newest transition, transitional home that, and design that we've seen this year. Right. So are there like developers coming in buying a lot of these older existing homes and upgrading them, and uh, is that a viable development opportunity? I actually think it's a tremendous development opportunity. I personally have started to look at that because, because of 2020 and because of 20, you know, going into 2020 and 2019, we actually had a little bit of a surplus of inventory on that. And you saw some developers slow down a little bit. And because of that, now we actually have a uh, shortage of inventory. So I actually think there's an amazing opportunity to start developing in Los Angeles again. So when you sit with a developer in LA and you're building like a spec single family house, you've got a couple of acres, prime location, and you've got your checkbox, what are the must-have things that you're telling a developer they have to put in this house? Yeah, great question. So, you know, again, style, floor plan, the indoor-outdoor floor plan is critical and very important one of the things and just going to simplicity i'll start with the simple stuff and then go into the complicated really fun stuff but in los angeles developers just do not make closets wardrobes large enough for you know the husband and the wife what they think is large enough and what they think is huge is always short <laughs> um so you just gotta gotta believe in that and just go big particularly right. going into the luxury world like really big boutique style closets like if you were walking into a chanel store or a prada store wow. really important amenity for for us here again the indoor important the theater is still important although a lot of people are now starting to put the theater on the main level of the home instead of the basement of the home the theater has to be on the main level of the uh, right so when right you say now. theater you mean like movie theater screening room kind of like yeah. where 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 you and, and what is that is that like where most of the family is going to sit down and watch netflix or is it like connected to hollywood Pretty much, or? or a game and you know one of the things that we've seen in the best designs right now where we've gotten the biggest pricing is where that theater actually becomes part of almost the family room where you can you know open up again the big doors the indoor outdoor flow and you have the family room off the kitchen, which is no longer the chef's kitchen. It's the family kitchen. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have two kitchens now. You actually have the kitchen where the heavy cooking and the heavy meals get done. And then you have the kitchen where a sandwich is prepared or a bowl of cereal is prepared by the family, right, uh, or something quick. 
And then the family room is uh, off of the kitchen. Everybody's gathering there. And the best designs is where we've seen the theater actually flow into that family room. And it's just been fantastic because, again, that's where you're entertaining, watching Netflix or watching the Super Bowl. And then how important are views? Uh, you know, we don't really think about like that part of the world as a view corridor like you would a major city. But how, how much does that play into value and what a house would sell for? Views in Los Angeles over the past 12, 15 years have become probably the most important amenity that people are looking for. And then if you can find a piece of land that has views and a uh, land, because generally speaking, views and land don't come together, right? When you're on a mountain and you're cutting a piece of lot or a piece of land off, you're generally getting a little bit of a smaller piece of land. So right. if you can create the uh, the perfect storm of having a large piece of land, and when I mean large with views, an acre of land with views, an acre flat, not an acre of, of, of hillside, an mm -hmm. acre flat, and you have the views, that's where you get that perfect combination and you can get extraordinary pricing. And then I would say there's probably another 12 to 15 properties like that in the market uh, or, or just available in Los Angeles. So again, another very unique property that's available in Los Angeles and, and, and one of a kind, not, you know, a vast, not a vast majority of them. Right. So um, what, what about things like, you know, they say Los Angeles is a car city. You have to have a car. People love their cars. Um, what about amenities for cars? What are you seeing with respect to new trends, bells We're and whistles that are developing? The, uh, the big, you know, what we call the car gallery. It's no longer the garage, right? It's the <laughs> gallery. They're being built with beautiful, beautiful finishes and floors, sometimes marble floors and, and mirrors and just beautiful stuff. It's, it's just fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, that kind of makes me think, you know, I know that um, Aston Martin has done some residences. They did a building in, you know, Miami. There was a Porsche designed, you know, concept. And I know that like some of these car companies are now starting to do individual home developments. Um, yeah. Do you think that's a trend you'll start to see in your part of the world? Perhaps. I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's taking the branded residence to another level, right? Instead of branding it uh, Mandarin Oriental, you're branding it Porsche, right? So, right. I think that's more on the new development side and, you know, that's probably something where, where you're an expert on and would really be able to tell me, I'd love to hear your opinion, you know, in terms of, you know, does that branded residence, do you get as much money for the Porsche branded residence as you do for the Mandarin Oriental branded residence with the hotel amenities? Well, I mean, I think in LA, you'd probably get more, right? Because it's such a car-centric community. And there's so much connected to the car and getting from A to B and how, how you commute. Whereas, you know, in a major urban environment like New York City, you're going to get a premium for like a Mandarin type brand or, or something that's more service oriented towards the daily amenities that would make a difference. You know, like as an example, I'm sure also something that we didn't discuss is like the home gym. I'm sure every single one of these homes you're selling have got a gym that would like rival an Equinox. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. Obviously, with COVID, the gyms become very important. And then the home office and now two offices instead of one office, particularly if you're living in a household with somebody else, right? Because now both people need to work out of the office. And then, again, when you go into the bigger luxury with Zoom school, digital school, you now need, you know, people don't just want their kids working 
in their bed and being lazy, but you know, <laughs> creating now a space for the children to go to school, right? right? So, you know, when you get into that luxury world, you're really starting to analyze the lifestyle. So, you know, the office, the multiple offices, the gym, the indoor outdoor floor, the theater, the kids' uh, space. And that's why some of these homes, and that's why we've actually seen such a strong market in Los Angeles over in 2020 with people just upgrading their homes, right? Not not necessarily new buyers into the market, but rather the same buyer just making a change in life. A $5 million buyer buying a $10 million house and a $10 million buy, seller buying a $20 million house. Right. So these changes that you know we've been discussing here, like you know, kids you know, doing school on Zoom at home, people working from home, going into the office less. Do you think that's something that's here to stay? Do you think that's changed our market and, and the way we live in our houses, you know, especially in LA 10, 20, 30 years from now? Or do you think like 20 years from now, we look back and we go, oh my God, what were we thinking? Look how we designed these houses. And, you know, there's all this space that, you know, we, we don't need. It's a great question. You know, we've been now kind of in this lifestyle long enough and um, and I don't see us coming out of this life, lifestyle for another, you know, 6 months or so, right? 6 months ago I would have told you it's just a fad and and a trend that'll go away fast. Today I actually think it's a fad and a trend and a behavior that will stay. I mean, I have employees of mine at a different level, at a lower level, but saying to me, you know, Mauricio, I don't really have to go to the office anymore. Do you mind, you know, if I move to Palm Springs or to San Diego where I can get more for my money, buy a house there. And when the world comes back, if I have to come back to the office twice a week, I'll do that. But is there a world that you perceive where I will have to be back in the office five days a week? Or is that going to change? Right. And so all of that behavior is changing. Now, once all these people start making investments, uh, and it's happening from you in New York in uh, investments on Long Island or or the Hamptons in Los Angeles. It's happening in the luxury world where the luxury world is moving from Los Angeles, in some cases, to Santa Barbara or La Quinta or to Newport. So once we start making a lifestyle change in our offices in Beverly Hills and I'm living in in, in Santa Barbara, for argument's sakes, well, I'm not commuting on a daily basis anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So therefore, behavior will take a lot longer to come back to normality. And I just think there's going to be a new norm in our world. Right. And whatever that norm is, it's just going to be different and new. What's your opinion on that? Particularly yeah. coming, I know we're yeah. talking about Los Angeles, but New York with the, you know, the density and the verticality, like what, what are you guys, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, no, I think it's exactly the same thing holds true. You know, people, if they realize they don't have to commute two hours a day, if they can actually be more efficient, more effective and work three days I don't think, you know, working out of an office ever goes away. I think people love the camaraderie. I think young people love the social aspect of it. I think a lot of people find it difficult to work from home. And I think once we're, you know, looking at people and what they can afford, you know, you and I work and deal a lot with the luxury segment of the market where people can actually afford to have one or two homes. You know, New York City, a lot of these wealthy people have the apartment in the city and they've got the option of the house in the Hamptons or Westchester they own a place in Florida, which is like a two, two and a half hour flight away. So they have that opportunity to have that flexibility. I think the people who can't afford that lifestyle are going to come back to these urban environments. But I think the live work aspect of the home is something that has to be considered a long term effect. 
you know, we, we kind of, as you said, saw this happening pre-COVID, you know, people right. would work from home. I mean, being a real estate agent, you don't really have to go into the office, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're out showing homes, you're working from your computer, your phone, you're remote. Um, yep. So, you know, it's nice to but go into the office. But what's missing, as you said, is that camaraderie and, and, you know, I mean, the open house, the camaraderie. Hey, what are your buyers looking for? What do you have? What's happening? I mean, the efficiency of being able to talk to multiple real estate agents at the same time also makes us better realtors, right? Versus right. No, absolutely. Getting yeah. on the phone and doing a one-on-one -on -one call and trying to, you know, dialing for dollars. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> something that I've kind of tackled, you know, and, and I know that you and I are very aligned in our thoughts about our, our respective companies. You know, when we discussed the, our brands, you know, we're very similar in a lot of ways. And I think the thing that makes us most similar is the fact that we believe in a certain culture, that we don't believe this is a tech business, it's a service business, right? So the Correct. people are the most important aspect. I know that, you know, there are disruptors that are coming into the market trying to eliminate the real estate agent or trying to eliminate that experience and that culture. But I know that the most important aspect of our respective companies is are the people and the culture we create. And I think when you're in a vacuum and working from home, it's a lot more difficult to grow that culture in a meaningful way. You know, it, it's, it's good to see people in the office, connect, share ideas, be transparent. Um, you know I, know, I know that's really important to you in the way you run your business. 100%. And even if it, you take it outside of our own businesses and cultures, just from a real estate perspective, you know, the value of the broker's open house, where you see people from other brokerages, is tremendously valuable to us. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think, you know, this will have long-lasting effects. Um, and I think there's a lot of consistency in these luxury markets. And, you know, LA and New York seem like they're very different in a lot of ways. But I think there's a lot of, there's, there are a lot of similarities. Where do you see prices going? Do you see, do you think we'll be seeing a $250 million sale at some point in our future? Well, I know there's developers building homes to be prepared to for $250 million sale. Really? Uh, um, those are big numbers. You know, yeah, once you get into a $250 million, and I know, you know, you're now talking about somebody that, you know, to buy it is really probably has to be worth more than $10 billion, right? Because again, mm -hmm. they're not, I mean, it's not their only home, right? Right. Uh, somebody buying a $250 million home has multiple homes. And now you're going into a very rarefied air. So, And it was depressing I mean, when Elon Musk said he's selling all his homes and he's not buying anything. There goes one of those buyers. <laughs> there goes one, right? I mean, that goes the number one right now, right? I think right. he just took over Jeff Bezos as the number one, you know, the richest person in the world now. Yeah. Based on uh, his stock. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think one fundamental difference that I've kind of tried to understand, and maybe you can enlighten us a little bit about, you know, is the new development. Why have we not seen these high rise developments come out, uh, you know, of LA, be successful? You know, we you related built the century that was successful. It took a long time to sell, but. There, there really hasn't been much of that development. When we think of new development in Los Angeles, we kind of think of single-family homes, you know, kind of like we've been discussing. Do you think we'll see a new trend of urbanization in high-rise development in L.A.? 
I do, and and I think we haven't seen it because uh, to date, I think we were already seeing the trend happening pre-COVID. Obviously, that slowed down a little bit. And again, people in Los Angeles, you know, generally speaking, want space, land, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the new development play really has to be properly designed. And what I mean by that is, you know, whether or not you're making a large platform with a large outdoor area, you know, you talk about the century that related it, that has an extraordinary outdoor area. And I think that that's one of the reasons that that was a successful project. Uh, Roof decks that become Soho house style lounging areas where you can, uh, again, really enjoy the outdoors. So from Los Angeles, I think one of the mistakes that we've seen is that developers have tried to kind of replicate if you will, what is being built in San Francisco or New York, which are not the same type of weathers that we have here, not the same type of needs. So I think if you understand what you're developing and you really start creating outdoor spaces, bigger balconies than you're accustomed to create, you know, building the rooftop deck with a beautiful pool with some beautiful lounging and all of that type of thing. So I I think the amenitizing is critical. One of the main reasons why you did not see vertical new development in Los Angeles is because we always had more land. We now no longer have no more land. Mm-hmm. Any development in Los Angeles now has to become vertical in order to create you know, housing. We have a tremendous housing shortage in Los Angeles. So the only way to take care of that today is no longer by going out and finding 100 acres and building a planned urban development in the middle of Los Angeles. And it's still horizontal because you can still build 400 homes on there. That Those pieces of land don't exist anymore. The only way I'm building 150 homes today is vertical. So there's no choice but to go in that direction. Right. So you think that's a trend we'll see in the like next decade? Of course, without question, yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, this has been really enlightening you're you're a wealth of of knowledge. Uh, you're a consummate gentleman, professional. Um, I, I really I have to take my hat off to you for everything you've created and built. It has not been easy. I can I can relate. You've done an incredible job, and uh, wish you and and the agency all the success in the future. Looking forward to seeing what you guys continue to do. Hopefully, we can work on a development together at some point. I mean, I, th- I agree with you. I think there's huge opportunity in, in your market where, you know, there's a need for certain a product type that doesn't exist. And I think there's an opportunity to create that and add value. And I, th- I think people are ready for it. Well, my feelings are mutual about yourself. I definitely look forward to uh, collaborating with you and hopefully working on something together one day. And you never know where our paths will cross. Absolutely. All right, Mauricio, this was awesome. Thank you. Uh, enjoy the rest of the winter. I'm sure, you know, I, I follow you and your, uh, I'm one of your 500,000 followers on Instagram. I see you're, in, <laughs> you're a ski, avid skier. Um, yeah. Enjoy the rest of the ski season. Um, Thank stay you, my safe, friend. Stay healthy. I'm looking forward to, forward to seeing you in the news with the, the first $250 million sale. <laughs> you're the best, my friend. 